other fully and to rebuild a friendship with a relationship with him uh, it took about four years so when, when people say that I forgive you uh, because you did that uh, forgiving is not uh, just a moment it's it's a process Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and today I'm joined by Kat and Chris. How are you doing guys? Yeah, doing Fantastic. good, Fantastic. So today we're hearing from Ivan Monzon, an inspired individual working with at-risk youth in Guatemala City. He shares some of his story and all he's learned from his work on the ground. But before we get to that, it's time for What in the World? Okay, it's time for What in the World, where we discuss some of the big talking points from recent news stories. Kat, what are we talking about today? So today we're doing something a little bit different for What in the World. A couple of weeks ago, we headed to the Justice Conference, and one of the members of the We Are Tearfront community was there for the whole weekend. And here is a bit of what she got up to. I think the Bible tells us over and over, shows us examples, Jesus did particularly, of the fact that actually being a Christian should never be comfortable. Hey guys, it's Lizzie. Um, I'm just reporting from the Justice Conference at the end of the first day. It's been an incredible day. It's been so challenging, uh, thought-provoking, insightful. Um, Yeah, just all of the emotions. Assigning net worth to human beings. Life ought to be priceless, but only the breath of the highly appraised gets protected. No wonder this nation considered us more useful as slaves. Hey guys, so it is day two of the Justice Conference. We have We Are Tear Fun. I am so excited to see everything that today has in store. This morning we have a talk on the call to true worship um, and how justice needs to affect the everyday parts of our lives. It's me, Chris. Kat is on the mic. Hello, hello. And Lizzie is on the mic as well. Hello. Has this been recorded now? It was been yeah. recorded. Oh, wow. Yeah, the whole time. Oh. Shahadi's in the background. <laughs> it makes it more natural, I feel. Yeah, we were mm. chatting. So, Justice Conference, this is all our first time, isn't it? Oh, actually, you yeah. said... Yeah. No, yeah, this is, is my first is, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time. Everyone's first time. Thoughts and feelings so far. I say so far, it's like more than halfway. But mm. <laughs> Kat, do you want to go? Now you go. All right. You've got some um, great Oh, insight. my gosh. Wow. Do you know what I was really surprised by? Is like when I walked in, I was like, "Wow, there are so many old people here." Um, <laughs> you know I know what? I can say that because we're on the weary, we are tier fun page right now, so it's kind of chill. Um, <laughs> but like, I was just amazed at how I don't know. Like, it made me think about how justice is for everyone. It's not just mm. like a young person thing. I think, especially being a student, I'm very mm. much in that headspace of, "Oh, like students care about this. This is what young people care about because it's our future, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Mm. But I think so many people have like paved the way and done social justice for like years and years and years like longer than yeah. I've been alive yeah I feel like we have a lot to learn like I saw this little old lady making her way to her seat and like I was just like wow that's so cool that you're here and you're mm-hmm. passionate about it even like into the later stages of life yeah I think it sets a really good like role model yeah yeah because yeah, I feel like I don't know I feel like it always starts in the youth mm. and like but actually I feel like Things haven't changed that much. So mm. I feel like when they were young, mm. that was them mm. pushing, mm-hmm. pushing, pushing, pressing yeah. on. And I think you just have to look at history. Mm. A lot of these big moves have been done by young people. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I feel like, not to diss anyone, but like... I feel like if you don't do it when you're young, you're less likely to do it when you're older. Because yeah. when you're young, you have nothing to lose. Mm. And you, ha- you don't have those... I feel like I look at myself like, you know, when you're little... You can be like, you can jump out of the tree. You don't yeah. care. Like, mm. you don't know if your arm's going to break. You don't know the consequences mm. to the fall or, like, what's at risk. Yeah. And I feel like when you're a student and you're at uni or, like, starting professional work, you're still in that state, like, just, like, obviously yeah. differently. You're not going to jump out of the yeah. building. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of, you, 
you you not that you have less to less less risk, but like you like you outweigh the cons and pros mm. and mm. the risk and the cost is way like way less than the reward yeah. or like the yeah. benefit. Whereas like I feel like it's easy and I think it's just natural to like become settled yeah. and like have family and mm. and kind of you always if you have that mindset of like oh I'll do it when I'm older I'll mm. do it when I'm working I'll I'll you know. It's the whole thing of like if I'll tithe when I have a professional mm. job, mm. but it's like but now you have less to lose. Like if you give from your pocket money, mm. like it's gonna be a yeah. lot easier because it's not yeah. actually your money. Yeah. <laughs> like your parents are giving it to you, mm. and if you get into the habit of like giving to charity or tithing at church from like your pocket money, and even if it's like two pound a day, like a month or whatever. Yeah. When you actually get a bigger amount where you actually work for it, then it becomes natural. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's the same with activism and mm. doing things like that. Because if you start young, then you then carry on. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I definitely see, like, the great scholar Tupac once said. Um, <laughs> 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 no, he was talking once about uh, how, you know, in your young years is when you're the strongest. Mm. And that is when, also, it is, like, ironically the time when you'll probably face a lot of opposition yeah. for what you're fighting for. Mm. Um, so it's like you have to make the, the most of those years where you're probably strongest, but you're probably not the wisest. Mm. So That's like, true. Wow, true. like wisdom. So like you need, like you said, like being here, I also was surprised. I was looking mm. around the room and I was like, wow, loads of great hair. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, loads of wisdom everywhere. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think the combination of that, and I guess that's what, that's why I always hope church to be is that it is a genuine like intergenerational thing mm, where yeah. you have young people who can be can afford to be on the front lines of stuff, mm, but mm. you also have the wisdom of people before. Yeah. And yeah, they did, I think you know talking to Renee yesterday, I think when navigating that, it just needs to be respect. I think yeah, it needs yeah. to be respect to generations before us who. Do you have moved the needle like so much further mm. than it used to be? So like, we might look at some situations and be like, "This is stupid. Why, why is the world like this?" Mm. But but they're looking at it and being like, "No, we moved it quite far from yeah, where yeah, it sure. used to be." And then it needs to be respect from older generations to to us to be yeah. like, "We mm. trust that you know you can do the work as well. Like you're not yeah, just 100%. here to just quote unquote work." Hey guys, thank you so much if you were able to join us for the lunches today and yesterday. It was so cool to meet loads of you, uh, to network and to hear about the subjects of justice that you're really passionate about. Thank you so much for being part of the Justice Conference, for following us and sharing your insights. We have loads of blogs and YouTube videos and podcasts that are going to be coming your way soon. So stay tuned for that. So there was a little taster of what the Justice Conference was like. What are your thoughts now that the dust has settled and you've had time to reflect? I don't think it has settled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot to kind of digest, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it's especially because, like, for me and Chris, we didn't actually go. I went to one session, a mm. whole session, and probably one panel. Mm. Um, so I could say, oh, I missed out. But actually, I feel like we just went in deep <laughs> in all the interviews. So it feels like we actually did the conference and some. <laughs> yeah. It was just a really good, challenging weekend, I think. I think everyone that went kind of came came away just thinking, okay, these people are like really serious about what they do, mm-hmm. really serious about fighting, fighting for justice. Uh, how serious am I? <laughs> That's true, yeah. What did you think? You were there for a day. Yeah, and no, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved the way that creativity's kind of sewn into the fabric of the conference. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Michael Bournet was there, who we had on a, an early episode of the podcast. And just every... I was, I was kind of... I was anticipating his performance of his spoken word yeah. because last year it completely shook me to the core. Yeah, yeah. And it, it did exactly the same this time as well. He talking about the kind of just racial inequality within the US, mm. talking about how uh yeah, ba- basically just just because there has been improvement mm. um in mm. uh race equality actually doesn't mean anything because yeah. you can't his phrase was you can't be almost equal yeah, yeah there's either yeah. equality or there's not and so yeah. to say that we've come so far and we're nearly there mm. but actually it's a completely worthless kind yeah, of, no, kind of phrase sure. in, t- in terms of racial justice yeah, um so, so that that was a real highlight for me the other one was um someone coming up to me and saying i recognize your voice <laughs> <laughs> and i was like really and they're like yeah do you do the we are tf on podcast um, and i was like 
Yes, I do. <laughs> Which Let's is... be honest, Dan, that did not happen. Did, did anyone recognise your voice, Kat? Yeah, I actually had people lining up outside our room <laughs> asking me the signatures. Yeah. Yeah, I had to be escorted from the lunch because... Really, um, security yeah. everything, wow. <laughs> actually, I actually, yeah. You I had, had to show everyone the, the engagement ring. Like, yeah. I'm taken, I'm taken. Yeah, exactly. yeah. honestly, it was, yeah. it was a hard time for me. That's why I kind of hid away from yeah. most of it. No, I imagine oh, that was a yeah, it's a bit like a kind of Trojan horse just appearing at the gate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Stop it. Tro- Trojan horse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just a little in joke there. It took it took Kat at least twenty takes to say the phrase Trojan horse in the last Doctor <laughs> podcast episode, which you wouldn't you wouldn't know because Chris does such a good job it's, at editing it does. them. Seamless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I'm, I am kind of half joking, half serious there, but it was like, yeah, it's cool. People listen to this podcast. I know, right? Which is, it's lovely. It was a lovely feeling. Yeah, but so. uh, more than anything, you know, they listen. They're probably listening to our guests more than us. Do you think? Yeah, which is cool. Is that's fine. You know, the yeah, little like, okay. fast forward thirty seconds. Button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they do. They do. Where that. does the interview come in? <laughs> they do that all the way through the intro, yeah, all we... the way through what in the world, <laughs> exactly. and then straight out the other side to the to the meat. If you're still listening and you haven't skipped. <laughs> forward to the interview thank you so much yeah. please leave us a comment and, and please do if you see Kat Gartner and say uh, are you on the podcast because yeah it, it will do all, all the for sure. all the good for it her would. Um, before we get into the interview I had a question for you two uh-huh. yeah so um, <laughs> I literally thought about it when I was making my cup of tea before the podcast <laughs> so are you the person when you make a cup of tea do you guys, do you guys, I thought we were going deep on yeah, just nah, it's, it's not, it's not. When you make a cup of tea, do you take the tea bag out and like, you know, squeeze it mm. uh-huh. with a spoon or with your hands? Spoon. With your hands? Spoon, obviously. <laughs> Have you got like fire brick hands or something? No, because like, there's two types of people that do it, like get a spoon out and then, like, use a I spoon. I have never met someone who uses their But then there's people that will just use their fingers. To take a tea, tea bag out of boiling <laughs> no, water. No, but the ones, with, the ones with this, like, the string. But what you do, like, at what point, you're going to have to grab the bag. Yeah. That's going to be hot. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry, I'm picturing one without a string where you were just dipping no. the tea <laughs> and retrieving the tea bag. So no. you mean if it's got a string on it? Yeah, and you pick it up and then yeah, like yeah, put I, it to the side of the, and then just squeeze it quickly okay, and then just so chuck it in the bin. I'm, I'm switching sides, so, yeah, I use my hands, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I just use a spoon. The thing is, sometimes you just can't bother to get a spoon. I mean, where are you making your tea? Like, in the, in like, the kitchen here, like, in the office. But there's spoons around. Yeah, always. but only now, before, there wasn't any spoons. Like, literally, before the spoons, great spoon gate. The spoons appeared, honestly, like, the last two weeks. And I was like, that's, that's a change. Mm. But, yeah, I just thought of it because I burnt my hand making tea just before the podcast. So I thought I'd ask. Great. Well, I'm sure <laughs> the three people that have stayed with us and are still listening to how, how we make our tea. Guys, the three of you, if you want to tell us, do you use a teaspoon? Do you use your hands? Um, that, that would be really feet, good. Maybe. Yeah, or your feet. I'll make, I'll make a poll on Instagram, so make sure you participate. <laughs> uh, so from that deep theological uh, justice-based question uh, we're now going to hear from um, from Ivan uh, who's talking about his work in Guatemala City my name is, is Ivan Monson I am from Guatemala this is a, a small country uh, very close near to Mexico in yeah. in Latin America and uh, um, I'm working there. I'm living there in Guatemala. Were you Were you born in, in Guatemala? Yes. Okay, yes. Cool. I, I I was born in Guatemala. Okay. Cool. So, when you say you work there, what does your work involve? Oh, I work uh, there with thousands of uh, teenagers mm-hmm. and uh, and youth and uh, in different slums and living in urban communities mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. They are from 13 years old to to 18 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, and I work with uh, many churches, helping the churches to 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 work with them in a more effective uh, manner, yeah. um, like uh, preventing uh, uh, different risk behaviors like suicide or uh, violence, armed violence in the community. Um, um, drug consumption, alcohol consumption, yeah. and uh, so this is my. This is my my everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot to to a lot of different issues and things that have like that you work with. 
Yes, well, yes, yeah. we have a lot of different issues at the same time, <laughs> because uh, many many of the teenagers in Guatemala City they are coming from the uh, they are coming from families coming from the countryside. After the war uh, we we had in Guatemala City, mm -hmm. we had an armed conflict for 36 years. Mm -hmm. So many of them they needed to run uh, to Guatemala City from the countryside and to you know to rebuild the life. Yeah. So they are locating in some slums uh, with uh, just a few resources to to survive. Yeah. Um, some informal houses mm. and uh, without you know. Uh, not having enough opportunities to get a job, a formal job, yeah. even if they finish the the, the secondary school, uh, they are trying to discover a sense of life in the middle of this context. Mm. And so that that conflict that you talked about, when when did that take place? Uh, the conflict started in in the sixties, okay. uh, in and it finished in nineteen ninety six. So wow. it it was a long process yeah. of uh, violence in Guatemala, uh, and so this uh, I will say these teenagers right now they are uh, about the second generation after the armed yeah. conflict in Guatemala. Yeah. But um, then in these neighborhoods we have an ongoing. Uh, situation mm -hmm. uh, with the gangs controlling the the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So many of those teenagers they cannot easily go out from their houses yeah. because they are scared to you know to be forced to become a gang member, yeah. or they are afraid of some extortion or some you know insecurity. The girls are afraid about the sexual violence in the streets, yeah. and so they they are they are willing to. To survive in this context, but they are also having a great life community, yeah. having links with uh, some friends. Um, you know, this is a city. Yeah. Uh, you can do a lot of things in the city. And Guatemala, uh, the good news is Guatemala, it's, life is cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so the food is cheaper. Uh, you can easily get uh, some food. Um, uh, you can go some basic services that are not that expensive that in the, in the largest yeah. Uh, cities. Yeah. So, so people try to survive. Yeah. And I think that's it's interesting for, for you yourself personally. Is that something that you had to, had to do yourself? Did you experience any of that conflict firsthand or secondhand? I was born in a neighborhood that is beside a dump uh, lot in Guatemala City, the main dump lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw when I, in my childhood, I saw the first gangs starting oh, wow. in Guatemala, yeah. and the, the the first gangs fighting in the street yeah. were just in front of my corner, <laughs> yeah. just in the other side of my window. Yeah. So I heard, uh, and and that at that time they used knives, yeah. sticks. They they didn't have a lot of weapons like yeah. like now. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember that. So in my family, it's uh, it's uh, interesting because my family we were a middle I would say middle level of economic income yeah. that became poor okay. uh, during across the armed conflict. Yeah. So we it was complicated because we had a middle level mining uh, way way to think yeah. and to act. And expectations, but our resources were not yeah. uh, there. So um, it was really frustrating sometimes. Um, my mother was a, um, a teacher in in a in a, in a secondary school, mm -hmm. and teachers in Guatemala are not gaining a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So my father went. They got divorced. Mm. Uh, my grandmother was sick, uh, mm. and then my mother got cancer. Oh, I had uh, some uh, alcoholic relatives living with us in yeah. in the family, so I think it it was a difficult time. So I, I can say that myself, I experienced some of those yeah. you know problems that put you in you know in the perspective to say. What is the sense of life in this yeah. in this context, and what can I do with my life, with my future? Yeah. So, is that why you wanted to start working with young people who went through similar things? Yes, actually, um, I I was shocked because of the violence in my country, and uh, I made a commitment with God to to keep working in in mm. you know supporting some teenagers and youth to 
to survive uh, and not only to survive but to have an, a different sense of life yeah uh, because it's, this is not only in how to survive and i think that we all well the people that lives in cities uh we know the city could be like a huge jungle with buildings yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. and you need to like try to survive from the from the from the secondary school yeah. you know the, the the bullying and some other uh problems mm -hmm. and then the traffic and then the you know the competition to to yeah. get a job so it's a jungle actually yeah. and uh, in the middle of this process you need to to discover what's god purpose in your life mm. and 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 you need to learn how to how to you know lean on these life goals yeah. and not uh, just giving up in the middle of this of this uh, jungle <laughs> yeah and so did you did you personally know god were you a christian from an early age yes uh i i studied in a, in a christian school in Guatemala, I was my my grandparents were missionaries in Guatemala mm -hmm. a long time ago. Um, Guatemala's uh, missionary perspective started in the in the 20th century. Wow. Um, so I did have a mission uh, a Christian background in mm. the family in some in some manner, but I decided to uh, to give my life to. To God and to start the relationship with Him, and uh, when I was about ten years old okay. in a in a camp, uh, but then I uh, I confirmed this decision fully when I was fourteen uh, years old. Okay, yeah. And it's it, it was funny because my my father was not a Christian. Actually, he was against Christians mm. uh, in some manner criticizing the the church so when i when my parents got divorced i went to the church and one of my goal was like making my father angry <laughs> because i am I, you know i i will i will become a more religious yeah. person and uh, but finally in the church i i i met jesus christ mm. and uh God sent me back to my father to forgive him. Wow. Nice. And that was a... I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, I think it's really interesting just hearing how many different things connect. So like you said earlier, it's all these different separate issues from maybe it's the conflict to healthcare to even uh, what teachers are being paid and it all kind of come together to create yes. kind of these, these bigger problems. Um for you, what was it about Christianity, about God, that helped you to say, I'm not going to get dragged into that. I'm, I know that I have more of a purpose. I had the the privilege to have some good connection with some uh, people who actually loved me. Mm. And, uh, and I think that um, you... If you if you if you have different adversity in your life, for example, you know a, a relative in jail or in prison, mm. um, uh, uh, someone died in your family, and then you have some in, even some sexual uh, violence. You, you suffer some mm -hmm. sexual violence or abuse, um, or you have some sickness or some any problem, but you but you know you are a a, a person that someone loves yeah uh, you have this kind of sense of hope mm. uh the problem is that the many many youth many teenagers they feel completely uh lonely yeah. uh even if they are in the middle of a huge family with eight people mm. they can feel lonely uh so in my case the love of my family was something that uh helping me helping me to to discover that there is hope yeah. the speed of 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 everything and god put it uh someone in the church that w he was really interested in helping me and we had a mentoring process okay. across about 4 years mm. so for me to 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 reconnect with my father fully and to rebuild a friendship mm. with a relationship with him it took about 4 years yeah so when when people say that i forgive you uh because you did that uh, forgiving is not uh, just a moment. Mm. It's it's a process yeah. that could take longer. But the problem is that I have discovered with some teenagers that if they don't 
heal from from inside mm. and if they leave their homes if they go to you know to any place to the states or to germany to get yeah. a job they will carry the pain with mm. them so so for me the 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 advisory i can give to many youth in guatemala it's don't just leave yeah heal so mm. this is a it's a most important thing to do heal yeah uh and and It takes time. It's not easy. In Guatemala, it's very common to take revenge because the justice system is not working mm. uh, very well. Yeah. So if someone put a, a demand in the in the courts, they will not easily get a solution of the situation. Okay. So many people is willing to take care of their own, mm. um, you know, justice. Yeah. Um, and even there is a huge industry of. Uh, of professional killers mm. that can be contracted to do something else because this, this the justice system is not running well. So yeah. someone just say that, okay, I need to take a revenge of this person in, in this manner. Yeah. But, um, but I have discovered that anyone, even in, in, in a countries where there, there are a lot of violence, um, they all are human beings Uh, there are some light from God in their lives. This, this like thing you can see in yeah. in others' dignity uh, that can tell you that there is something that God put in this person, and then you can take this as an advantage to connect with this person and to and to talk about God's love. Yeah. Wow. That's really that's really amazing. Really big challenge, I think. Yes. Because. Um, You know, it's difficult when something when you are wronged and you don't see justice happen. And, you know, we see in the Bible, God says, you know, justice is mine. But there's also times where you think, okay, I'm looking at my watch. When does it come? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's actually uh, forgiveness is it's a, it's a difficult difficult even when you have faith and love. Uh, because it's like giving your case in the hands of someone that is more just than you. Mm. Uh, but it's just putting this in the cross or putting this in a in a place where you know that God is not forgiving it. Mm. God is not, uh, you know, letting it just go, mm. uh, just like this. But you are not responsible. And this is the problem that many, uh, many youth, many teenagers... They want to take the responsibility um, to change what is not possible to be changed. Yeah. Uh, and they get frustrated uh, from different, uh, we can put different examples. Yeah. But the, but the, the, the point is not uh, what are you doing to change your situation is when uh, you cannot change it, uh, how can you depend on God's will? Yeah. Uh, and this is very difficult sometimes because because there are some very painful experiences and we have the question where god was mm. at this moment yeah. when it happened to me I, i i need to know why god allowed me to do that mm. and i rem remember that uh, one of the things i was thinking about my father is why he did that to me mm. but then when i working in forgiveness i realized that He didn't actually did it to me. Uh, he did it because he took some wrong decisions in, yeah. and I was in the middle of the of the of the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's not that the world or the or your parents or God is doing something wrong to you. Mm. It's that you are in the middle of someone else's yeah. uh, path, and uh, then the question is. What is the sense of my life at the end of the day? Yeah. And and then you can look at your experience from a different perspective. Yeah. Like having a drone, you know? Yeah. It's no, not the same sure. looking the situation when you are in the in the in the in the ground mm. that when you are looking it from the drone. So when you forgive someone, you look at the same situation but from a different perspective. Mm. And then you you can remember without pain. Yeah. I think that's such an incredible and important lesson because I think a lot of the times when we think about working to end injustice, 
we can't we do get into a space where we're like these people have done x y and z and they're making every, they're making these people's lives bad they're making my life bad and they should suffer for that but really like you said it's as 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 hard as it is to make it not personal it's not really about you it's more that these people are like experiencing a broken exactly. world exactly exactly i um and and i think that one one thing i have discovered is that many youth they have this sense of shame of themselves and uh, and then um because they you know they they suffer some physical violence or some exclusion or some you know bullying at the school yeah and then they grow up with this kind of sense of shame mm. so they became they used to become self defensive mm. that means that when some authority comes when someone comes to judge you you will be more like receptive to feel ashamed yeah so many youth are aggressive or are very responsive mm. because actually they are protect protecting themselves from this feeling yeah. of of being ashamed yeah so um when when you are more self confident and you you discover that you are a beloved person uh from god this sense of shame is going out yeah and uh, and uh, there is a bible um portion where it say that god takes away our shame mm, yeah and it replaces it with with joy yeah so this is a this is not just an instant moment mm. it's a long life process <laughs> yeah <laughs> I definitely you talked quite a bit about shame you talked about the anger um you mentioned earlier as well talking about uh, suicide In, in Guatemala amongst young people is that linked to that same sense of shame or in your experience what have you found yes guatemala uh, it's uh, one of the most um, uh, high rates in countries in uh, youth um, dying mm -hmm. actually it's about the third or or the fourth uh, position in the world yeah. and the third cause of youth dying is suicide mm. so many many teenagers they are in the middle of this storm and uh, actually they don't they don't want to die mm. that they want is to run yeah. and to to escape mm. from the suffering they are feeling so that i have discovered is that we need to talk openly yeah. about what are you willing to do and how are you thinking about that yeah. and uh, and of course that that you said is completely true many of them they have this sense of not having value yeah. uh, or or this sense of shame and it uh, creates some guilty uh, thoughts yeah. and and then this leads the person to escape mm. um but i think that uh, uh the churches the schools pro the professors and the parents they need to learn that there is there is nothing wrong about talking about suicide mm it's it's wrong to to keep silence yeah. about it because yeah. then you will leave the the thinking growing yeah. and uh, so you need to stop it and the only way to do it is talking about it yeah. so um with all the teenagers i said if you have having thoughts about uh, dying or 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 committing suicide you need to talk about it with yeah. someone It doesn't matter. It's about your life we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, so you can go straight. And, and if you are having some friend and you think that they are like willing to do something like this, you need to go straight and talk about yeah. this topic with this person and asking, um, sorry for asking, but are you thinking in that? Mm. How? And, uh, and how can we help you? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, a uh, key message is my, is your value it's important yeah. it matters it matters to me it matters to to your family yeah sometimes the parents love their children but they are not skilled to show it mm, actually, <laughs> they yeah, are not good. skilled to show it yeah and and it's interesting because i think like what you said in terms of holding that to yourself and kind of being almost like so almost ashamed that you're thinking that way um i've seen at least here in the uk i've seen the church starting to understand more and more that this is something that we need to talk about and this is something that people should be 
feel okay to even bring up in their prayer life to God. Um, how is it in Guatemala at the moment? Is the church receptive to talking about mental health? There are some pastors that are completely aware about the importance to have a relationship, a closer relationship with the youth. Mm. Um, but the, many of them, many of the Christian leaders, they are only focused in teaching, uh, you know, mm. uh, how to behave or how to think, or how to act. Mm. I would say that they are, they are teaching the what part. Mm. but not necessarily the the how part okay. uh, i mean some of the teenagers they 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 was, they they participated in activities where people said what do you suppose to mm. do or what do you don't supposed to do mm. but uh the question is what what can i what can i do with the feelings i have mm. uh, how can i manage it yeah. um and uh so church in guatemala it's as I think at the in the in the rest of the world are um like not very uh, open to talk about some topics yeah. and that mm, that makes uh, to have this kind of uh, distance mm. um between the the pastors and the youth yeah. a youth pastor told me uh, recently why if you are coming uh, to preach in this in this group the youth uh, uh, the teenagers are telling you everything <laughs> about their lives, you know, and they, they don't say a word to me yeah. about that. And I say, this is because you are an institutional representative. Mm. So that means that they are afraid to be judged or to be condemned mm. by you or by the church authorities if you talk about this topic in the church. Yeah. So I am a, I am a, a known person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's easier. For it's sure. easier to do that. Um, but the, the challenge is to create these bridges, to yeah. create the confidence. Uh, and, and I think that relationship is more important than programs, mm. events, or success in the attendance mm. and church. Yeah. And it's, like you said, it's so important. And the work that you're doing is so important. And you've been doing this, I think I read you've been doing it since you were around 13. Is that correct? I decided, I started to work with, um, with mentoring some uh, kids at, uh, in camps, but I formally uh, started to work with teenagers um, about uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I, I became a youth pastor and a youth uh, leader in my, in my church. Mm. Um, so I, I think I can I can tell you how you don't supposed to do the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have you, what have you learned in from that my process? own experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, what are some of those lessons that you've learned over the years? Everybody, especially the teenagers, they have a particular perception when um, someone is not being honest, mm. uh, and it uh, they they can detect it. They mm. have a radar to detect. Uh, honesty in people yeah. in the church or in the school, they they know when 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 a professor it's it's talking to them in a very direct and honest manner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my experience is that if you are transparent and honest with the teenagers, they will they will pay you with the same money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh they they will they will be honest and open to talk about different situations as well. Yeah. Uh the problem is that um some some of the leaders they 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 are just given the message that the most important thing is church attendance or uh scores mm. in the in the because because of their performance. Yeah. I mean if I am a youth pastor and I, I don't have people enough in my church, that means I am not a good youth pastor. Yeah. So if they are worried about it and not worried about what is the perspective of the, of the youth, they will miss the, ma- the, the main point. So this is a, the main learning for me. It's um, don't feel ashamed to show love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm also encouraging parents mm-hmm. and teachers and youth mentors and trainers to establish or to set a very healthy physical touch yeah. with the teenagers. Uh, they, they, they do need to have some, you know, some human uh, contact yeah. uh, in, a, in a healthy manner. And, and, and I think that we all 
know the difference between a, an appropriate touch and a good and healthy uh, yeah. affirming uh, touch. And even the parents, for example, the fathers used to be uh, during the teenagerhood of, of their of their daughter of, of their daughters, they used to um, get apart, you know, from physical touch with them mm. because they they are they are ashamed to you know to be misunderstood mm. and somehow, but that uh, a girl needs more in 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 the teenagerhood, uh, it's contact, yeah, uh, sure. a healthy contact. So don't feel ashamed to show love. Yeah. In a very open, in in an affirmative manner, and for sure the teenagers will respond. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, do you have any specific stories of young people you've worked with? And you can change names, of course. If you uh, yes, I remember a boy. Um, he was studying in that scholarship program we we run in Guatemala. Uh, he he was a teenager, and he had an anger attack mm. in the school. So um, um, I, I went with him. Uh, he was like, you know, uh, with, with this kind of breathing really quickly and, you know, mm. um, very agitated. And, and, I, and I said, okay, what's happening? What happens? And he told me the teacher said something to my, to my sister and I, and I got angry about it. Mm. And, uh, and I said, uh, yes, I understand that. And I, and I see the, the, the way you replayed. But um, let, me, let me tell you something. Behind of this, uh, you know, anger that I see is fear. Mm. What's going on? What, what are you protecting from? Uh, why are you, like, thinking, acting like this? And he saw to the floor for a while, and he told me, I miss my brother. Mm. And he started to cry, and I said, "What happened to your brother?" And he told me, um, "Someone killed him." Mm. And uh, when he was dying, about to die, um, he asked me to promise him that I will take care with my life to my siblings, mm. and I will not allow to let them happen something. And I said, "What all you were at the time and." He told me I was eight years old. Mm. Say, how can a a youth, a, a young person, ask a eight years old boy to protect their siblings? Mm. This this wasn't fair. This was wrong. Mm. Uh, I think your brother was just you know willing to give you some encouragement. Yeah. Uh, but this wasn't fair, and he started to cry a lot. And finally we got to the point that he was that self-protective mm. because he want, he wanted to he didn't want to disappoint his brother yeah and uh sometimes ang uh, anger uh, or you know this kind of aggressive reaction is coming from a, a a truly vulnerability feeling in in this in this occasion i was helping him to you know to to uh, to feel okay with letting go the promise mm. he gave to to his brother i think that yeah his brother should yeah. be regretted about yeah. what he asked for um but i remember many times when the father died um uh people in my community used to say to the boy you are the the, the new man in the family mm. so you need to take care of your mother and the boy was like Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to decide what words to accept from others and yeah. what words to refuse. And um, this boy now, he's really uh, a very healthy boy, uh, very social one, mm -hmm. uh, very, uh, you know, uh, loving person and kind uh, with others yeah. and I'm happy to see the result after a boy can heal yeah. from the inside for sure that's incredible I really wish we could just talk for a lot longer uh, but we are running a bit out of time but I would love to hear as well a bit about your time as an inspired individual uh, at one of Tear Fund's programs could you explain a bit more about it and what you got up to <laughs> I will explain it in that way Aspiring Individuals it's a it's a great program that supported some uh, people with great crazy ideas <laughs> but good ones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, that 
have not, you know, uh, really clear how to start. Mm. So um, that I felt is when I went to Guatemala, I decided to 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 work with this with this uh, work with um, with teenagers and youth, and um, I had not a salary. I had not a, anything, and and I I. I am a father. I have four four children, oh, wow. and my wife, and in you know, um, different um, expenses to cover. It's like if you if you go outside in London when it's completely cold, mm-hmm. and you don't have you only have a sweater, and uh, you need to do something important. Mm-hmm. It's like a friend in this house gives you a very warm. Uh, clothes to 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 wear yeah. and they say okay i cannot go with you but you can take this and then you will stay warmer mm. across the process mm. so uh, that telephone did is exactly this with me yeah. uh, so i i didn't get any my you know solutions of any particular um, problem mm. but i but i was warmer in the, across the process because there is a pro- this is a program that it's um, focusing in taking care of you mm. as a person or uh, focusing your in your family teaching you how to take care of yourself better mm. in a better manner how to plan in a more strategic manner mm. um, I was a good planner but I think that uh, there are many things that I didn't take in a, in, in, in consideration. Yeah. Um, so Tirfon advised me. We had a coaching process. Um, we had some very key support in uh, very particular topics. For example, mm. we had not hot water in my home, in my house. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually we didn't have a place to store water in Guatemala. The, the water is not floating Every day, mm. it's uh, just one day you have water, the other day you yeah. will not. So it was even to even difficult to take a bath <laughs> yeah. every day with uh, some days having water, uh, cold water, some other days not. Mm. Um, so they helped us. They helped me to fix this problem particularly. Mm-hmm. So it has been a really um, like having a friend uh, w- walking with you across yeah. the process. Uh, and I completely thankful for that. And now I understand better how to work with a friend when he will have a, or she will have another initiative. Yeah. And I will know how who is the feeling to 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 don't be alone yeah. and to be connected with others. Yeah, that's so great because the work that you're doing sounds incredible. And I think a lot of the times when we're doing work like that, we we forget to take care of ourselves. And we can get to points where we're tired and we're thinking, oh, how can I keep doing this in this way? Um, so it's just great to hear that you've found like, people around you, a support and a team around you that can help. Absolutely. It's like when you go to the airplane and they, and they say that, okay, if, if there is an oxygen problem, you need to put your mask. Mm-hmm. But if you have a, a child with you, you need to first put your own mask mm-hmm. and then you can put the mask in in a, the other person you are taking care of, yeah. Uh, because if not, you you and the other person will, will die. It's like yeah. trying to save someone that it's it doesn't know how to swim. Um, you need to make sure that this person is, is not you know hanging on you, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you both will go yeah. to the deep. Uh, so it's like um, taking care of myself. I have learned how to take care of myself in a more healthy manner in order to help others in a more effective way. It was great to hear from Ivan. What stood out to you guys when you were listening to that interview? I love him talking about mental health. It was was quite interesting to just hear it from like a different side of the world and actually that young people suffer from mental health all over the world and actually it's not it's not wrong to have suicidal thoughts because I think everyone at some point in their life has had a suicidal thought even though they might not explicitly thought it but they would have thought something like why am I here or what's the purpose of my life 
it's not wrong to think those thoughts, but actually is what you do about it. So it's like, do you speak up about it? And I think we need to become, we need to be better at voicing our thoughts and actually talking about it. Yeah, I guess on a on a kind of similar note, the bit that struck me is when he was talking about the importance of taking care of ourselves, um, using the kind of metaphor I've, I've heard before of, um, you know, when they say on a plane, fit your own oxygen mask before you help yeah. others because you need to make sure you're okay. And I think sometimes this is it's, it's something we struggle with perhaps because maybe the self-care thing is trivialised a little bit with the mm. whole, I'm, I'm doing some self-care and... Yeah, yeah. Having a bath or um, yeah. go to the cinema on my own and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, but but it's so important for us <clears throat> to look after ourselves, but also to make sure we're uh, our relationship with God and our faith is is strong when we mm. go out to help others. Mm. Otherwise, we we become at risk ourselves. Yeah. Um, and in the line of justice and the line of work that we're all doing and the way we're trying to make a difference day to day, we need to be um, on our toes and we need to be mm. our best. Yeah. Selves, um, so that we can help other people. And so, uh, I totally see the importance of that, and, and really like that metaphor of the, the kind of fitting your own oxygen mask. Yeah, and I feel like you said that that kind of process of self care. It doesn't always have to just be self care as well. Like other people, if we're like working as a community, can help each other out, can make sure that we can look out for someone. You know, when you see people like on the front line doing mm. whatever work they're doing, it's easy to kind of just be like applaud and be like, wow, like how are you doing this? Yeah. But um, like the, the reality is they can't do it forever like in their own strength so making sure you're checking in and like making sure that they are being like you said been in like their, their own relationship with God has been fulfilled mm-hmm. and I think you know that speaks to kind of what he was talking about with um uh, the whole idea of, of justice work really being about relationship building it's not about just ticking boxes and saying oh yeah we've got x amount of people to like improve in this way or whatever it's actually like saying do you genuinely have a care for these people mm. and um yeah how can you make sure they flourish well that's it for this episode thank you everyone for listening we'll be back again with a new episode on the 16th of march where we'll be hearing from renee august a veteran of the anti-apartheid movement anglican priest and reconciliation trainer if you like what you heard today make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on instagram at we are tear fund